have seen Edison's men. Where? In the hotel, and I have every mind to bring them up here myself. That would be unwise, Mr. Angier. It is true that you are our last remaining financier, but we have not stolen your money. When I told you I could make your machine, I spoke a simple truth. Then why isn't the machine working? Because exact science, Mr. Angier, is not an exact science. The machine simply does not operate as expected. It requires further examination. You need to try different material. It may provoke a different result. So the machine was working? These things never quite work as you expect them to, Mr. Angier. That's one of the principal beauties of science. I'll need a couple of weeks to iron out the problems with the machine. We'll send word when it's ready. Don't forget your hat. Well, which one is mine? They're all your hats, Mr. Angier. Lights, camera, action. Welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour Films. As you all know, I'm Ross Baker. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike McGregor. Mike, say hi. How's everyone doing? And as you should know by now, we are two dudes who drink and we talk about movies. Now, we are in week two of our movies that are basically the same, 2024. And uh, last week, we talked about some child murder tournaments. This week, we're going to talk about some magic. <laughs> it's magician time. And uh, we're going to talk about two movies that came out within two months of each other. Two months in the same year of 2006. So now, if you actually look at the story... One of which should have came out earlier, but Batman Begins happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, that one, The Prestige, uh, ended up coming out in October. And then we're also, first we're going to talk about that, we're going to talk about The Illusionist. We came out in uh, August of that, of uh, 2006. So, before we even get into that, though, we got to talk about what we're drinking. So, Mike, what do you got? All right, so... I grabbed Celtic Sunrise from Tom's River Brewing. Um, it's a pale ale with blood orange flavor, 4.7% alcohol, and first sip. Nice, nice. I think I've had that before. Oh, I love this. Yeah, this it's pretty good excellent. from what I remember. I could drink this all day. Like, if this was more widespread available, that would be, like, a go-to summer beer for me. Yeah, nice. All right, so me on the other hand, I uh, didn't have much time to beer shop. I had to quick run out and grab some stuff today because uh, busy with a little thing called a newborn that happened to me on uh, January second. So been dealing, been uh, living with that guy, learning that guy's tricks, and having him pee all over me. You know that, that's fun. Changing the boys' diapers are much more contact sport than they are for girls. So. Back in the swing of things, but I did manage to get out today to get to the, um, to the liquor store. And I maybe I, I don't know, maybe I should have bought this sooner because they're now in bankruptcy. <laughs> so I am with Flying Fish right now. I have their crisp golden ale, which don't know how much longer be able to buy that because, like I said, they're in bankruptcy <laughs> and they filed for bankruptcy. I believe they're under. Then I don't know if new ownership or whatever's going on, but right now I don't think they're. Uh, incredibly bright future <laughs> they'll have much of an incredibly bright future but they are still have beers on the shelves so it's a 4.6 golden lager it's very good very good it's very easy to drink it's like mike's uh celtic uh beer it's it's very easy to sip on which honestly these two movies are both pretty easy to watch in my mind like i'm like they i i enjoy both of them quite a bit 
that's the thing. Like I didn't, I didn't hate either of these. And I remember, I remember when I saw the the Prestige the first time, I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. And then I enjoyed it. And then when I remember seeing the Illusionist the first time, for some reason, I just remember thinking that there wasn't a lot to it. Like there wasn't quite a lot to it. And honestly, there isn't. But there doesn't really need to be. <laughs> yeah, that's so. It's. I guess one of our first comparisons going to be like how in depth do they go into the technicality of the trips of the tricks where wins right off the bat. That's prestige <laughs> is all about the technical aspects and figuring out how the other people do the tricks where the illusionist you're like, it's an illusion. He does it next. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's a superhero. He can conjure the dead. Let's yeah. just move on. <laughs> it's like wait a minute because it's funny because there is i'm trying to remember is there is the i think it's like the first trick he does he doesn't oh yeah he the, he does explain one trick and it's when he has giamatti hold the ball to his head and it's when he explains that you can see the blood loss of the hand that was raised mm -hmm. that's how you can pick the one that that's holding the ball that's as deep as we get into explaining anything in this movie. And then we get a a possible, well, that might have been how they do it, even though that pretty much is how he does this one trick with the double projection of the uh, of the hologram, basically. Yeah. Like, they don't outright say that that's what he does, but they do say that that's one way of doing the trick. And I was like, well, yeah, that's what he does. <laughs> Though, the, isn't there like, they aren't sure if that's what he does because his holograms come out much clearer than what the projector they well really all they do all they say is that he has to basically defend his trick but the read the way he does it is that they just start guessing how he does it and for that one he just happens to go yeah you can do it that way and they yeah. seem to be satisfied with that <laughs> they're like oh okay say no more this isn't a murder investigation we're not going to bother getting into any more in depth than this we'll just believe you at your word <laughs> Man which, whose job is to lie to people on stage every night. Which, again, watching these two movies, it's crazy how similar in concept they seem to be and how different they actually are. And I think that comes down to, obviously, we're talking about two very different directors here. We are talking about a guy named Neil Berger with The Illusionist who did Limitless, Divergent, and that stupid Brian Cranston, Kevin Hart movie, The Upside. Where it was like, hey, guess who's paralyzed or some shit, and guess who can see the bright side of life or some shit I, like that, that. That is a remake of an excellent French movie, The Untouchables. Well, there you go, you know? And, and then, of course, there's Christopher Nolan on the other side, who is Christopher Nolan. And at this point, hadn't really gone... I mean, granted, this, the prestige is a lot longer than it needs to be, but there's a lot more thought into it. The whole story is nothing but, like, one big misdirect basically and when everything is in like revealed at the end you're basically like oh so this is a tale of two different types of realities one yeah. which is a magician who uses a double and then the other is a man who uses literal like magic <laughs> during his tricks which <laughs> let's just tesla's casting perfect <laughs> Fucking David Bowie, absolutely. Yeah, you don't you don't get much better than David Bowie in that role. It's pretty great. So, in terms of like atmosphere, these movies take place in very similar time periods. They both well, focus on magic. I would argue that they take place in the same year. 
Because it's just two different places. The Illusionist is in Vienna, in Austria, and the Prestige is in London. But they're basically both in like 1890. That's essentially what late, like, year late, they're in. Late 19th century. But yeah. the and they both go for a somewhat steampunkish atmosphere. But they do it in wildly different ways, where the prestige is like the darker side, the grittier side of steampunk, where the illusionist, it it almost plays it more like a fairy tale, where it's like, it's lighter, there's, there's like, when you look at the map, like, it actually feels magical in the illusionist, where the prestige, it feels scientific. Yeah, because in the illusionist, it's basically, what if Romeo and Juliet... A, a magician. Yeah. <laughs> what if that? And what if Romeo it's... and Juliet had a magician? They faked Juliet's death and then blamed Tybalt for killing her. <laughs> they set up Tybalt the entire time for the longest con ever. But it's it's funny because with the illusionist, like you said, like it it feels magical because they don't bother to explain anything. The only thing at the end that they explain is essentially the the bait and switch that they've pulled with Jessica Biel's character and how she's actually still alive. And they just framed Rupert, not Rupert Holmes. Um, it, it not yeah, Rupert Holmes is the guy who wrote the the Pina Colada song. It's um, it's oh my god, why is my it's Rufus Sewell? That's his name. They basically frame him for murder because neither of them like him he's probably going to beat and kill jessica beale when he marries her and that he's going to become a dictator so they're basically the point of fucking him over is love essentially but in reality the grand story is that they're preventing austria from having a hitler basically <laughs> all right so let's let's do our categories with like same movie versus matchups we always the technicality of it and really I think we'd probably agree, like, how well thought out the script is. We're both going prestige in that one. That, that, Absolutely. That's a, Absolutely. That's a clear cut. It's, it's, it's so easy because really the illusionist is just a whodunit mm-hmm. with a little close-up magic. That's all it really is. And you're just trying to figure out, like, what the trick is. But with the prestige, it's essentially, like... This is a magician's life, and this is what competing magicians in a London that only has magic basically as its stage shows. <laughs> this is what they would do to each other if they were bitter enemies. And you know? also, Nikola Tesla can do actual magic, <laughs> he is an actual god wizard. <laughs> Who, which is even funnier now, Mike, you might be a little more familiar with this being our resident historian. Did Thomas Edison have like mafia style goons that would go after Ta- Tesla? You know, I don't think that. I'm not sure it was ever recorded, but I wouldn't not believe it. I just say, especially from Menlo Park, New Jersey to Colorado Springs, I think he would care. You know, like Edison Edison was a con man of his own, you know, so he was definitely working in his own little realm. He wasn't trying to go out to Tesla and like beat him down. No, Thomas Edison was absolutely sabotaging Tesla's career. He was doing everything he could to sabotage Tesla's career. By sending like groups of hitmen and arsonists. Now, I don't know if he ever went that route, but halfway across the like halfway across the country just to get. When he really wasn't I mean, doing anything fam- to him at the time? The, one of the most famous public displays of Thomas Edison, like, 
trying to sabotage Tesla is that Tesla believed in alternating currents was the future. Edison believed in direct current. And Edison was like, alternating currents dangerous. Watch me kill this man with it. Why not? You know, why not? <laughs> Which, it's kind of what Tesla does. It is what Tesla does in this one. It's like, watch me kill this man, but create an exact copy of him elsewhere, you know? <laughs> the thing, the one thing is with that, it's like, yeah, he creates the exact copy. But, and as Tesla says, he's like, an exact science is an exact science. Because apparently he does it, but doesn't realize that he's creating these copies elsewhere, like in the woods. You would think that Tesla would have had a handle on where the result's going to come out. <laughs> Which this completely made me think of the Mahler twins from uh, from Invincible. Uh, did you watch Invincible? No, no. Not, so I'm, the Mahler, I'm the Mahler twins, uh, the, the one uh, clones himself, and they always fight over who's the copy. <laughs> Which is kind of Christian Bale in Christian Bale's character with yeah. Fallon, with his twin brother, because they're living the same life. Mm -hmm. They're just not doing it the same way, which is crazy as hell to me because, and I guess, I guess let's, let's do this character where it's the actual, the character, the illusions themselves, the technical skill the of the performers themselves, mm -hmm. which, which includes the twist. Yes. Now. Okay. And so this is ba we're basically looking at the the wait before we move on atmosphere which, okay. which which way do you lead because we already talked about that prestige it's it's more prestige because you get like a full you get like a full world with that you really only get a slice of what Edward Norton's doing in the illusion so I with atmosphere with like the steampunk atmosphere I actually lean slightly to the illusionist because I like the fairy tale esque version of steampunk better than I like the like the technology focused version of steampunk you could see that yeah i could definitely see that um yeah i mean i feel like the prestige and it's because it's nolan and he thinks about everything it's a more realized world that we're living in whereas the illusionists it's just we're it's more focused on story and not so much character but story then prestige is all about the characters yeah. in the world that they live in so it's a more realized universe but but yeah, okay, so one-to-one -one on that one. The Okay, so now let's get into the actual technical skill of our magicians. Let's do that. We have, on the illusionist side, we have Edward Norton, who, for all intents and purposes, and now let's count it before we get the reveals. Let's go to up before we get the reveals of what's actually going on. So before the reveal of the illusionist, we basically get a man who has god powers and can resurrect ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> And then on the prestige side, we get two guys who can transport each the seemingly transport themselves across space and time. But in reality, all they're using is a double. Now, we don't necessarily we know that about um Hugh Jackman's character. He we absolutely see him recruit a double who, which in 1890s New York, uh 1890s London, apparently Hugh Jackman very much using an American accent in this movie. And he finds, you know, Hugh Jackman, 2006, gorgeous man, somehow finds an exact gorgeous man, like, Hockney bum double in London. Uh, maybe not. I don't, I don't think that's type of that, but it's a movie. I will suspend my disbelief. <laughs> but then with, with Christian Bale, 
we are for all intents and purposes being shown a man who is a god. He can teleport himself, basically. <laughs> so we kind of do have a one-to-one comparison in Christian Bale and Ed Norton. But I would think when you when you add in the reveal, I think Christian Bale is the one that takes it for me because he has lived the lie, basically. Like, he, like that old Asian dude. For, it's funny because he's essentially the Christian Bale of magicians where he is a method magician. Yeah, exactly. Even to the point where um, his wife doesn't I mean, doesn't know what's going on until the very but end before she kills herself. So that before is the best part of the prestige is rewatching after the twist and go, he's like, she's like, I could tell you mean it some days because she's really only one of the brother's wives. Yeah, she only, and she doesn't know that there is another one. Yeah. She, which is crazy as hell because that means that the Fallon character is living in that makeup for like most of the day. Like it, whoever has to be that guy on that day, it's, you are committed to being this guy. <laughs> but this dude is like a man in the shadows most of the time. So it's, you're kind of just a, like a, like a spy most of your day, you know? And then you have to go home and pretend to be your brother with his wife, who apparently you will actively tell you do not love. You won't even keep the ruse up. You won't even be like, oh, yeah, honey, I love you. You'll be like, you're like do you love me? Not today. It's like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's not what you do when you're married to somebody. <laughs> That's true. So, that. so, yeah, so the big twist at the end of, oh, going into this, I know I am kind of known as a Christian, uh, not a Christian Bell hater, as a Christopher Nolan hater. This is my favorite Christopher Nolan movie, The Prestige. It is. And it's it's also the I mean, it's it's before he started to run up his own ass with his yeah. like with his gimmicks, really, you know, and it's this is just he he took a story about two magicians, two men who specialize in deceiving people. And he told that story and it's a revenge story against the other one. So it's not like, OK, here's the deal. We have a man who goes backwards in time. He's a backwards time cop. And it's like, okay, you've already lost me. <laughs> it's like, okay, now we have Interstellar. We have a man who space travels forwards in time behind a bookshelf. It's like, okay, you've already lost me. You know, it's we have Inception where dreams and levels. And it's like, okay, you again, you've already lost me. <laughs> What's this story about? It's a man who puts on a bat suit and fights crime. Fixed. <laughs> what's this, what's this about? about what's this one about a magician manslaughter accidentally manslaughters another magician's wife and then they get into a battle where they're sabotaging each other and one of them recruits a 1900s magician or wizard to basically help him beat the other one to help him ultimately acquire um acquire um custody of his child as a way to get back at a man who will die in prison for being framed for murder. <laughs> it's it's like, wait a minute. The longest con you can possibly think of. And even then, the best part is that Christian Bale still gets the upper hand. Because the whole time, he's just had a twin brother that he's kind of had to like but they've just had to figure out how to be the same person at different times. It's it's mm-hmm. just like twins messing with people. 
even though Hugh Jackman thinks that he's dealing with the greatest magician of all. So he goes to Nikola Tesla. He gets a copy machine. <laughs> he makes literal copies of himself and kills himself every night on stage. And I'm not saying kills himself emotionally. He literally kills himself on stage every night and creates an exact copy of himself. He breaks the laws of reality to get one up on a guy who just used a twin brother. And has been told several times by people in his life that the dude is using a double. That's the only way you can do the job he's doing. The only trick is that he doesn't know the extent that they go, you know, to the extent of when a, one of them gets their fingers shot off, the other one cuts his fingers off to match. It's like, wow. Oh my God. <laughs> Where, again, we go to Ed Norton and he's using projectors and stuff, which, so, like, with the twist in The Illusionist, like, you use some fake poison, it, it's, but, and they kind of have a more Kaiser Soze reveal of the Ed Norton, like, they, they very much go with Paul Giamatti, like, realizing everything as Ed Norton makes his escape with the girl, and I appreciate that. And I appreciate Ed Norton's being more grounded in reality than, say, Hugh Jackman's one. But I'm going to go with the prestige on the twist and the tricks. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's it is it's it's one thing because it's I don't know it's it's, it's I'm trying to figure out how to say it. There's like that there's like that hipster mentality when it comes to Thomas Edison and Nikola Tesla. There are people that are like, it's Edison. He invented the light bulb and all that kind of stuff. It's like, he's the guy. He's the more famous one. Then people are like, no, it's actually Tesla that did all the good shit. And it's like, well, yeah, in reality, Tesla was probably the better of the two. But the bigger showman and the bigger con artist was Edison. And that's how you get ahead. But when people are like, I, I've been into Tesla since before he was cool, you know, that's who this movie's for. Because Christopher Nolan saw that and was like, you know what, I'm going to make half the, I'm going to make the internet happy, basically, like before the internet, you know? And the only way I'm going to make the quote-unquote regular people on get on board with me is by having David Bowie as Tesla. <laughs> it's like, okay, dude, I'm with you. It's It's a perfect casting. It really is. Even though he's kind of doing like a um like a red skull Captain America kind of accent. Yeah. So like, so I think these two dudes sound very similar. So then I was picturing David Bowie as Red Skull and I was like, oh, that would have been not as good as Hugo Weaving, but it would have been very interesting. <laughs> David Bowie in the MCU. But and then there's and then of course we gotta rate the let's let's go see who wins the the um the female the love interest side because we do have three fairly strong performances well two strong performances one guest appearance i guess i'll say because jessica beale is kind of cameo cameoing in her movie and scarlett johansson and um oh, I can't remember. rebecca rebecca hunter not rebecca hunter uh rebecca hall when uh, and kind of like Scarlett Johansson and Rebecca Hall are, they're the ones that are like they're actual characters in their movie, yeah. even though they are Christopher Nolan characters. Which means that since they're female, there are three of them. Two of them must die, I guess. So Piper Parabo 
has to die in the beginning. Rebecca Hall has to kill herself. Scarlett Johansson has to just stop being in the movie after a while. Because you can't have too many women Did on screen. Did they clarify which, which of the brothers lived? Was it the one that was actually married? Or was it the one that Scarlett Johansson, that loved Scarlett Johansson? That's, I think that's the big... Did did does the top fall at the end of Inception? Question kind of thing. Who was the brother that not that got uh, executed in prison? Was it was it the one that loved Sarah or was it the one that loved Scarlett Johansson? And it's the real question is because again these are twin brothers, so we know at certain points when which one is which, and when the one does say. I don't love you today. That's clearly the other guy. But we don't know exactly which one is the other guy. Yeah, again, you don't know who the other guy is. And that, I think, actually does attest to, and I wouldn't obviously wouldn't be surprised if Christopher Nolan put this in there purposely for that, because he thought of everything else, does attest to the living character. Like, the, the act, living the act all the time, that's what that is. So, like, you don't know. Even the audience doesn't know. And to a certain extent, maybe even these guys don't know. <laughs> like, they do don't even like know. The, uh, so his name is Alfred in it, which one of them gets called Al, the other gets called Freddy. Freddy, yeah. <laughs> and that, well, that was what cracked me up, that Christian Bale was playing a character named Alfred, yeah. where Michael Caine standing across from him for a little bit of it. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> it'd be funny it'd be only be even funnier if instead of being cutter michael came with bruce or wayne something yeah. like that <laughs> that would be funny so yeah i mean the love interest clearly goes to the prestige it's i Which, think it's because i feel like with how many things are ruling in favor of the prestige we're almost coming off as shitting on the illusionist which i don't want to because i think the illusionist is absolutely worth watching it is absolutely, and if anything, to watch the Illusionist because here's where the real here's where the difference is, and we can't really compare the two because the mystery of the potential murder in the Illusionist. There's Paul Giamatti now. Paul Giamatti hands down is Paul Giamatti, and he's great in the movie. Love Paul but Giamatti. He's Paul Giamatti. But then there in the Prestige, there isn't really a character like that because there really isn't a mystery that needs to be solved. Uh, the like closest that. you can do for the comparison is like comparing the rivalries, but even that wouldn't be a comparison because it's like the one rivalry is personal, the other quote-unquote rivalry it's an investigator investigating a magician yeah the rivalry is really with the guy being set up for for murder and it's and even then you're not rooting for one of you're not rooting for you don't really get a choice to root for either one in that case because rufus soul's character is irredeemably yeah a dick He's a villain. He's irredeemably it, a villain. It's like the prestige, your two main characters, neither of them are actually likable people. Like you end up liking them because of the movie, but like they're both bad people in their own right. Yeah, they are. They're they're not great. And but the thing is, they're not they're never they never claim to be anything other than performers really like they're just magicians and but the thing is the rivalry is between the two of them and it's funny because they're not like 
they're not really affecting the greater whole of London at all, other than people being like in all of what they're doing, you know, and occasionally watching someone die on stage. That's, but, I do love he's like, I can't believe you bring my daughter into this. If I was your Jackman, I'd be like, Well, you killed my wife, so you killed my wife. So I'm going the long way. <laughs> and since your wife killed herself, I'm taking your daughter. <laughs> it's the thing with the illusionist is it's it, it really is like even with the fake death, like the taking the poison for Juliet, quote unquote Juliet, to die, it's literally Romeo and, Ju- Romeo and Juliet with a magician instead of Romeo, or Ro- where Romeo is a magician, and it's it's not bad, but it's just it's just a different story. It, it's more traditional in that you have a pro- you have a hero, your protagonist protagonist is actually the hero of the story it's not like oh you have two protagonists they're both morally gray um it's there's a hero there's a bad guy there's a damsel in distress there's an investigator trying to unravel how it all is happening yeah and why don't we take a break here your check-in and then we'll get back into the who has the better trick let's say so mike how's your beer so it is delicious i'm already on my second one um this is one of my favorite beers i think i've reviewed on the podcast so good job tom's river way to go tom's river but uh yeah my um crisp golden ale by flying fish would love to have that in the future but it probably won't be happening (laughs) so i'll have to enjoy this x fact that i have but um, yeah, Fly- Flying Fish has always been a good brew. Like, I don't know what the hell went wrong. Apparently, Kate Maybrewing is going to buy them. That huh. fell through. Like, that fell through, and then, you know, shit hit the fan. But I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, it's their, their crisp golden ale is very good. It's very long number two as well. All right. So, who has the actual, who has the better tricks themselves? The Illusionist or the Prestige? Now, granted, the ones in the prestige, in my opinion, are very impressive. The but illusionist the one... has better tricks because they're actually tricks. That's the thing. The illusion I think the illusionist has the best one in the uh the King Arthur sword gag. Oh yeah. That trick. That is such a great trick because I was like, holy shit, how's he doing this? I was like, how is he doing this? This is crazy. Like, and I'm pretty glad that I, we didn't see how he actually did that, unlike the orange tree, which we do see. Mm-hmm. But it's like, okay, that's one thing. But this Mjolnir sword is pretty great. And it's it's a really great like trick to do in that situation because he's doing it to screw over Rufus Sewell, and he does. Yeah. But he does it in like a magician way. So, like, you can just claim, hey, it's part of the act, man. You you hired me to do this bit at your house. I did a bit at your house. If you can't take a joke, you can't take a joke, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's, in terms of, like, magician, like, who who's actually, like, on stage the best magician, I'm giving it to the illusionist. Yeah, he's he's actually doing magic. He really is. And he's not the, killing himself and using a Tesla machine to make it look cool. Yeah, to, to use a Xerox machine to copy himself. But I think I I would if anything, I would think that the because the tricks in the prestige are basically the same trick. 
they're just done at one point they are the exact same trick because they're both using doubles at one point the transported man is what they call it and then the better trick isn't the trick because the one involving tesla's copy machine that one it's it's the trick doesn't belong to them in that case. It belongs yeah. to Tesla. Tesla is the one that created this dog machine. So he's the one that should get the credit. But as far as performers actually go, I would much rather, if I'm in 1890s London or Vienna, I would much rather, go to, if I'm in Vienna, I would much rather go to London to see Christian Bale or Hugh Jackman because they actually put on a show. Whereas Ed Norton yeah. just walks out on stage sits in a chair, conjures a ghost, basically sits there while the while the audience lobs questions at it. I was like, well, that's kind of a weird thing to do. Like, why get that the 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 impressive thing is that he conjured a ghost. But how is that like a stage show you'd want to actually see over and over again? That is it kind of made me think of the South Park, the biggest douche in the universe episode with um, what's what's his name? the psychic. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I was just thinking that, too. It really is like going to see a TV, like a like a like a psychic, like the John yeah. Edwards, I think was the guy's yeah. name. Yeah, it's like going to see that because all you're really doing is being grifted, you know, for an hour or whatever it is. Even though these tricks seem to only take about 20 minutes, <laughs> if that. Yeah, that's. So yeah, showmanship. Yeah, Hugh Jackman, I think, seems like the best showman of the three. But yeah, that's going to the prestige. He's the greatest showman. He's the greatest showman. <laughs> the greatest showman. But what, now, what that is, one of the best parts of the prestige is like at the start, um, Christian Bale is like more willing to do quote unquote dirty magic, and Hugh Jackman kind of gets corrupted by. Yeah, the bullet the bullet dodge is a is a pretty great trick, but it absolutely will go horribly wrong on you if you know someone's out to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> you definitely want to you definitely want to scout the plant that who's gonna be shooting you. You don't want to give it to a rando in the crowd, you know, and just hope that nothing happens. <laughs> but what cracked me up is speaking of the illusionist. What made me laugh, because you said John Edwards and the psychic, it also just made me realize that if you were to go see Ed Norton's show, it would kind of be like that Patton Oswalt bit. Have you ever heard the Patton Oswalt bit where he talks about um, following the angry magician? No. Or one of his early bits when he was being an like, up-and-coming comic, he went, he had to go on after a magician, like a clothed like a magician. And the dude one night apparently wouldn't get like wasn't gonna get paid and was told ahead of time. So he went on and on stage with his bag of tricks. And he would essentially pull out a trick, he'd do it, he'd throw it in a bag, pull the next one out, do it, throw it in a bag, and he'd just keep doing it. And then he would close up and walk off stage. <laughs> it wasn't like any kind of flourish, nothing. It was just angrily doing magic at the crowd, which is kind of the vibe I got from Ed Norton's act, <laughs> where he comes out all like emo and solemn, and he sits there, conjures a ghost, and when they leave, he leaves, and it's just like, done. <laughs> Did you enjoy your wasted night? <laughs> then, all right, so... I'm trying to think if there's any other categories because like these movies despite conceptually being similar are completely different movies 
Yeah, and the the craziest thing with these being quote unquote the same movie is that they came out within two months of each other. So it's not like they were years or decades apart, like Battle Royale and Hunger Games. Yeah. It's not like, you know, that was about, what, 10 years between those two? And with the two movies we'll talk about next week and the movies after that, there's it's about 10 years or so that kind of separates them. And even then, when you think about it, Movie movies that we're going to be talking about really, a lot of them don't take too long to copy the one that they're very similar to. They just put a twist on it. Whereas with this one, I think they got lumped together because of the subject matter and the place in time that it takes place. They both take place in the exact same time of of the world, the same time period, and involve the same type of occupation. And the thing is, it's like, oh. Okay, so when people are trying to remember these movies, they go, oh, well, was it The Illusionist that had Hugh Jackman killing himself? No, that was The Prestige. Well, what was the one that had Jessica Biel being murdered? Was that The Prestige? No, that was The Illusionist. <laughs> you know, It's like that. And it's it's kind of like, oh, so I'm going to see The Illusionist in August. Christopher Nolan comes out with The Prestige in October, and I go to see it, and I go, oh, well, this is this is a different movie. It really is. It just, it's. It's just two different stories from the same field, basically. It's so like, weird that two movies surrounding magicians came out this close together. <laughs> exactly. And no, that's the other thing. When did um when did Now You See Me come out? I want to say 2011 or 12. 2013. That's when it came out. Um there was also something else I looked up that was uh okay that's a very different movie never mind but the fantabulous Brett Wonderstone (laughs) oh that was yeah well yeah that what was that Jim Carrey and Steve Buscemi was that Buscemi and Carrey I think it was Steve Carell okay Burt uh Wonderstone here we go incredible Burt Wonderstone that's 2013 so that's the now you see me part. That's again stage magicians. <laughs> they they have come full circle. And yes, it was Steve Carell, Steve Bush, and Steve Buscemi and Jim Carrey. Yeah, when James Gandolfini made an appearance as well. <laughs> but, it's crazy because apparently Woody Allen also made a magician movie for, that came out in two thousand six. <laughs> probably uh, would that now was that oh, that oh. also starred Hugh Jackman. Was that Scoop? Yeah. Yeah, that was the other movie. That was the other movie that I was looking up. But isn't isn't that more of like a journalist movie? Isn't there more journalism never that for some reason? It. Yeah, it's I don't know. Yeah, undiscovered some magician's performance issue community. Yeah, okay. But yeah, it's like and Scarlett Johansson and Hugh Jackman agreed to be in it too. They were probably like, Oh, we can do these movies with Christopher Nolan and at the time the legendary Woody Allen, you know. People knew about Sunye, but and but at the time he hadn't been as bad because Ronan Farrow hadn't come out about the crap that he did with Mia Farrow, you know all that shit. So when people were like, "Oh yeah, Hugh Jackman and Scarlett Johansson," are probably like, "Oh, we get to work with two of the biggest directors, one of all time, and one of the biggest up and coming directors. He's now one of the biggest directors at the time. We're gonna do these movies." And then somebody had to probably walked up to him and was like, "Well, we got this third movie. Ed Norton's in it. We we need like a love interest." Jessica Biel, maybe, but Scarlett, if you're available. And then she probably saw the script and was like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good not cameoing in a, magi- in a third magician movie. 
<laughs> I think I'll be all right. That would have been impressive to star in three magician moves in the same that, And that was the other thing. I was looking for like a uh, like a common thread between the two of these that were like that shared like an actor or something like that. That would have been pretty great. But it didn't. <laughs> it just shared a time and an occupation. But, and uh, one of them kills birds. Oh god, that was no and that's the other thing with the prestige. It's it's one of those movies that when you watch it a second time and you know the gag and you know the twist, there are so many clues as to what the what the final twist is. The first of which being that little kid knowing the trick of the bird cage. So he knows that that one bird dies. He knows that it gets crushed and destroyed. But he is, and he's upset about it. So he says, where's his brother? And it's like right there. Where is his brother? That happens. Like, okay, we got two parakeets. We got, we got two canaries. We got brothers and all that. So, okay. But then, then the thing is, the whole time, Michael Caine is screaming at Hugh Jackman, he uses a double! He uses a double! <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah, he does. You really should have listened to the old man instead of driving it's yourself It's hilarious crazy. because it's like, that is the simplest trick you can do in magic, using a double. <laughs> Which is what he does, yeah. And it's, but the real trick, again, like we said, is the extent that they go to keep up the ruse. And yeah. that's the dedication to it, which makes it even funnier that Hugh Jackman has to do literal magic and like wizardry to try to one up him. When as far as the audience knows, he's just using a double. Yep. Like he's they don't know anything and they're not they would probably be more impressed if they knew the reality of it. <laughs> even though the whole thing of the prestige is that the audience thinks it's real. But when you bring it back, that's when they're like, oh, this is amazing. It's like, no, 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 no. I think they would be legitimately shocked out of their minds if they saw a human being get Xerox copied and have them both walk off stage at the same time. I think that would be the trick right there. But then again, how would they not be burned as witches? <laughs> you know, basically. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah, in- I Listen, this is taking place in London in the 1890s. Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes is going to be around, and I'm sure Lord Blackwood is—he's <laughs> like your exactly. Lord Blackwood's associates. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And but that's the thing with Vienna, and that's the thing with Ed Norton's character. He's, for all intents and purposes, conjuring the dead, and these these common hillbillies—they're not trying to burn him as a witch. <laughs> you know they would be. There's no way you could pull that shit just a little bit up the road from Roman from Romania, not have people be asked of you. <laughs> you just can't do it. It's true. So, but that I guess would be the prestige. That would be the real trick. You know, <laughs> that's not the pledge or the turn or whatever the fuck or the river or the flop or whatever's in the prestige. <laughs> but I mean, the prestige would be coming. <laughs> So, what the prestige, like you go break down the steps of magic. All right, Hugh Jackman sends out one of his doubles. Dude, the the guy, the twist is he blows his brains out on stage. And then Hugh Jackman walks out totally fine with a corpse of himself right there. 
Right. That's how and he and the thing is, he keeps doing it every night. So people be like, What what the hell? What is this? Oh my god. <laughs> what is going on here? There's a pile of dead bodies behind the theater. What the fuck is happening? <laughs> these aren't these aren't dummies. These things are creating maggots and flies. <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> and yeah, and it's, I I do love that Tesla is like, no, this machine must be it must be destroyed when you're done with it. You know, it's like, yeah, no. Do you imagine? I do imagine that someone would be during this investigation would probably figure out what that machine does and it would ultimately be used in world war one <laughs> that's where it's you eventually develop a super soldier and just clone him just keep cloning him right that's 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 how hitler does march over the earth you know with the third reich you know all he was missing was tesla's copy machine but um but yeah i mean and then so i guess to wrap up overall I think we've argued that the prestige is the winner here, right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's not like the illusionist is bad by any means. No, absolutely not. And it's and it's not like and it's not like one is kind of a modern knockoff of the other because again they came out two months apart and unlike with Battle Royale and the Hunger Games, where Hunger Games is basically just like, well, it's just Battle Royale with pretty people and like pretty white people you know that's all it really is but when it comes to this it's like well these are both magician movies yes and they both involve dead women at some point but they, and they both have a twist but that that is and they're both are taking place almost in the exact same time and exact same place but that's kind of where the similarities do end like the actual stories themselves are different so we're looking at movies that are for the most part, the same this week, but we're not looking at pretty much, we're not looking at a rip-off situation. We're looking at, like, a same idea, same time and place. Again, like the stories of the movies themselves, these two movies just happen to be about the same subject matter and came out at the exact same time, you know? It's just one was Christopher Nolan, the other was a guy that no one will ever remember, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So, I and I would argue, yes, if, when it comes to pure runtime, and what it accomplishes, the illusionist wins because it's an hour and 45 minutes and you get pretty much everything you need. You, there are no leaps in logic. There are no, oh, we have to fast forward to get to the ending here. And in the prestige, we get a Christopher Nolan movie where it's two hours and like 15 minutes. And you could probably lose half an hour of that movie and it'd be exactly the same. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't lose much. You could lose a half an hour of Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale trying to do the same trick over and over again, which is what they do basically. Yeah. And you could lose Scarlett Johansson trying to briefly spy on Christian Bale for Hugh Jackman, even though both of the diaries that either of them are reading at either time are part of the deception. Like they're both lie perfect, like purposely lying to each other with these things. So it's like, well, what at what point do these things actually matter? You know, <laughs> is it when you're using cutting off your brother's fingers or is it when you're killing, literally killing yourself and making a copy? Like when, when did the stakes come in? <laughs> we could get rid of the shit that doesn't matter and you would have the same movie, Chris. You now, need, you need to now here's down. the thing. Does uh, the brother that lived find the machine and clone himself and just pretend like his brother never died? He might as well. <laughs> he might as well. Because... He knows what the gag is at the end, but then again, the machine burns at the end. So yeah. it 
it really would be a matter of going to Tesla and be like, look, can you give make me another one? I bring my I want to bring my brother back. You yeah. know? But in that case, he would be copying himself. So the other one would have to pretend to hate Rebecca Hall again, <laughs> even though she's dead. <laughs> and he'd have to wear the fat makeup and all that kind of stuff. And but and the credit to Nolan that unless you know the gag and you're watching this movie, it isn't until the end of the movie that you really get a look at Fallon. Yeah. And you actually get a look and you go, oh, that is Christian Bale under some makeup. For the most part, you really just think that this is some mystery guy that's like in the shadows. That's all you really think about this guy. And that, again, that's part of the gag. So it's Christopher Nolan getting entrenched in a magician's world, telling a magician story, whereas the guy that did Divergent, letting Ed Norton probably direct the movie. You know? <laughs> it's they're both, but again, we're equally entertaining. We're very well worth watching, you know? So, Mike, until next week when we talk about what we're going to talk about then, how where can people find us on the internet? You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, just about anywhere else you get your podcast from. Thanks to Spotify Podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Happy Hour Films Podcast. All right. So, next week, we are getting into, again, we're, we're the next couple weeks... The next few weeks, I'll say, I'm going to say the next four weeks, we will be revisiting a movie that we have talked about before with a movie that we have not talked about before. So this one is going to be pretty great because this is a movie this week, this week, upcoming week involves a movie that I love and a movie that I remember seeing in college because one of the guys on my floor was like, dude, you got to check this movie out. It's basically this other movie. And it even has the same named characters. I was like, oh, really? What is it? And he said, well, it's called The Wraith. And it stars Charlie Sheen. I was like, oh, really? What movie is it like? He said, The Crow, starring Brandon Lee. I was like, wait, what? And sure enough, The Wraith and The Crow are basically the same movie. Except one involves a goth superhero. The other involves a car. <laughs> and if you haven't seen either of them, I'm going to leave it up to you to figure out which one involves the car. <laughs> now, again, this is 1986 to, I believe, let's see, 1986 to nine. Oh, wow. Well, that doesn't really come up right away. Okay. To 1994. So we had eight years. We have eight years difference between the two of these. So we have, we're not saying two months apart like Prestige and Lucius, but we're not 10 years apart like Battle Royale and Hunger Games. We're in that sweet spot in the middle. And then I think we go back to the 10-year point for the week after that. But that will save that amazing week for two weeks from now. But we will next week have to get through The Wraith and The Crow, which are basically the same movies. So until that time, I have been Ross Bacon. I've been Mike McGuigan. And we'll see you guys next time. So long.